0: We are back for another mock draft Monday. Today, we're going to be breaking down ESPN's Matt Miller. He dropped a two-round mock draft for the NFL today, and you guys know what we do around here. We're going to take Matt Miller's mock draft and pretend it's the real NFL draft and do a two-round rookie mock based on all the draft capital, the landing spots, of this one. And this one is fun. Let me tell you, this is the one that a fantasy player could have drawn up. This would be great news for all of us that have 2024 first round picks. So I'm excited to get into this. Of course, if you want to check out the full mock draft, that'll be linked down below in the description. While you're down there, leave a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Danny, how you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. And yeah, before you guys go in the comments and talk about, Oh, this is hyper unrealistic. Like we're not going to get the absolute nuts in the NFL draft. Well, I mean, we saw it last year, three quarterbacks going in the top four, Jameer Gibbs going in the first round, Bijan going in the first round, like shit happens, man. And we as Dynasty Fantasy football players have to prepare for these types of scenarios. And not to mention, it's just damn fun talking about great players and great landing spots. Yeah, exactly.
0: Preparation and fun. That's the two reason we do these uh, videos. So again, Superflex, PPR, Half Tight End Premium will be the format. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. All right. So we are now into the draft again. If you skipped ahead, we're doing a two round rookie mock draft from a superflex PPR half tight end premium standpoint based on ESPN's Matt Miller's two round NFL mock draft. The landing spots, the draft capital will be on the right side of the screen. You guys should be able to see everything there. Full link to the mock draft in case you're curious about the defensive prospects and all that stuff will be linked down below. So Danny, I'm going to let you kick things off with the first pick in this draft. Of course, got a lot to choose from. A lot of talent, a lot of draft capital, a lot of quarterbacks as well to go from. So I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go with the regular standard chalk answer for 101, but um, talk about the pick.
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the standard answer here, 24th overall, has got to be Keon. No, I'm joking. The answer here is Caleb Williams, 101 here, two to the Chicago Bears. Um, I think it's very close between him and I'm assuming a guy that's going to go in the top three, whether me or you take him after this. But regardless, he is still my quarterback one. He lands in a landing spot with the Chicago Bears, an upstart offense, uh, obviously with DJ Moore on the outside. And Caleb Williams, if people are worried about how he translates to the pros, don't be, I th- honestly think his median range of outcomes is a Kyler Murray. And that might actually be like the 40th percentile outcome. Cause he, cause he's bigger than Kyler. He's more accurate than Kyler. And I do still think that projecting forward, as long as he can just learn how to play in structure at times and not have to play just hero ball, which I do think will be the case at the pros. Schematically USC was completely out. Muscled talent wise. They were out. Muscled Caleb had to play a lot of hero ball. People are using that as a big negative on his profile. Watching the film of him, it honestly just felt like he had to make those types of plays, knowing that the USC defense wasn't getting stops, knowing that his receiver core after losing Jordan Addison was not the same, and knowing that Cliff Kingsbury was still running the show offensively uh, with Lincoln Riley. So um, honestly, I have no real concerns about Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be mighty fine with the Chicago Bears. I really do think this could be a potential sneaky playoff team going into next year. And I just think the Caleb Williams, DJ Moore pairing off the bat could be one of the better quarterback wide receiver duos in the league.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment to think about what it would have been like to have Caleb Williams operating LSU's offense with those weapons and Drake May operating Oregon's or Washington's offense with those weapons. Because, you know, obviously those other quarterbacks had better talent around them and better defenses and things like that. But Caleb Williams and Drake may, at least in our opinion and before the season, especially are the more talented quarterbacks. So it's hard separating the quarterback from his situation sometimes, but yes, don't disagree. Caleb Williams goes one-on-one to the Chicago bears goes one-on-one in this draft as well. There's some rumors that, you know, the commanders might be after him. And, you know, of course, uh, Cliff Kingsbury now with Washington who coached uh, Caleb Williams in this aforementioned 2023 season, where his whole offense was out muscled. But, I'm going to roll at one Oh two. Um, definitely a debate to be made here between the other quarterback, uh, other top quarterback, Drake may goes one Oh two to the Washington commanders. Marvin Harrison, Jr. Also goes one Oh four to the Arizona Cardinals. I am going to roll with Marvin here again. This would probably be team dependent. If you guys actually had a roster that you were working with, but, uh, Marvin Harrison at one Oh four to the Cardinals. I mean, we just talked about Kyler Murray. He needs himself a number one receiver. Marvin Harrison basically came out of the womb, a number one wide receiver in the NFL. So, uh, Marvin Harrison, he does everything well. He's six foot three, six foot four, 210 pounds. He runs routes like his father, who is obviously not that size profile. He's an elite athlete. If anybody's thinking, oh, well, how fast is he? Is he a low end speed guy? He hit 22 miles per hour this past year in college football. So, he's big, he's fast. He's physical. He can run routes. This is Julio Jones. This is Larry Fitzgerald. This is AJ Green. Like This is one of those prospects that comes around once in a generation. I've given three generational prospect grades since I've been scouting. Bijan Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, and now Marvin Harrison. This is a dude that is an absolute superstar, and I'm happy to take him here at
1: 102. 100%. It's kind of at this point with Marvin Harrison Jr., and typically having this type of range of outcomes on a prospect profile would kind of get you laughed at, but with Marvin Harrison Jr., if he doesn't end up as an all-pro wide receiver, if he doesn't end up as a at least a fringe, if not a surefire Hall of Fame type of wide receiver, it's a disappointment given the prospect profile we're looking at. Height, weight, speed. Route running, high pointing the football. I mean, you know how many times in the Michigan game alone, watching the number one team who just won the national championship after a 15-0 year, playing against a potential top five pick with Will Johnson on the other side in the 2025 draft? that Marvin Harrison Jr. was coming off with ridiculous catch after ridiculous catch. He was the reason why Ohio State was in that game for the most part, to be honest. Kyle McCord was spraying it everywhere. Marvin Harrison Jr. was the saving grace of that offense. And that was a constant throughout the year. We noticed multiple times watching the Marvin Harrison film that if Kyle McCord was CJ Stroud or CJ Stroud maybe stayed an extra year, Marvin Harrison could have probably had 18, 1,900 yards in this collegiate season. He's really that good. And I do think that, an AJ Green level comparison is where I landed. If you want to even get higher and say he's Larry Fitzgerald with more athleticism, I also don't think that's a hot take either.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you think two years ago too, the previous national championship yep. Georgia Bulldogs, they might win that game if Harrison's not uh, yes. out in the first half. Uh, Ohio State had a chance right until the end to win that game, and if they could have a, a competent kicker, they probably would have won that game. So yeah, Harrison. Against the last two national champions, basically just put took them to the woodshed and took them out to lunch. So, uh, yeah, he's that good of a prospect. No uh, arguments there. What are you doing here at 103? Again, lot to choose from. We got Jaden Daniels going to the Patriots. We got Drake May to the Commanders. We have Malik Neighbors in a great landing spot to the Chargers. Like, lot, lot to choose from here. A
1: lot to choose from, uh, Choose from, and yet such a simple, easy answer for me. Drake May goes 102, Washington Commanders. I, like I've said multiple times on the channel over the past five months, it kind of feels like I genuinely think Drake May and Caleb Williams is like a 1A, 1B situation. I mentioned Caleb Williams is my one earlier, ends up going 101 in this mock. I don't think Drake May is that far from him and obviously landing with Washington yet to see how I feel about that uh, head coach offensive coordinator duo with Dan Quinn getting hired with Cleese. Cliff Kingsbury getting brought in. Cliff Kingsbury, sorry, getting brought in. But at the same time, you still got Terry McLaurin. You still got Curtis Samuel. You still got Jahan Dotson. You have a very good weapons group to come in. And it would be very fitting that uh, Drake May just replaces the guy at Washington that he replaced at UNC and Sam Howell. Yeah, I worry a little bit that
0: Drake May is not the greatest under pressure and getting him hit a lot early on in his career would be kind of detrimental to his output uh to his outlook in the future. And the commanders, I would say, of the top teams that are in need of quarterbacks, definitely not Worst in line. a position Um, in terms of their offensive line to develop a guy, but like you said, the weapons are good. They can invest in the offensive line in free agency. They can invest in later rounds of the draft. They can make trades. There's other avenues other than your first round pick to address your football team. So, uh, yeah, Drake May one Oh three to the, um, to the commanders there at one Oh two in the actual NFL draft to me makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, I'm very excited about that landing spot for him, even though, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is not Ben Johnson. Like we thought initially, I still really do like that landing spot. And uh, for me at one Oh four here, I think the consensus will be, you know, either one Oh three or one Oh four will be Jaden Daniels because he can run. He's an athletic quarterback. He's going to hold a lot of value. Dog, I got the absolute nuts landing yeah. spot for Malik Neighbors, so I, I can't do it. I, I mean, I would take Malik Neighbors over Jaden Daniels in most situations, but given that Jaden Daniels went to the Patriots, a bad landing spot, and Malik Neighbors went to the Chargers, a good landing spot, I'm even more confident making this move. This might be a hot take, but and I'll I won't step on your toes too much because you're probably going to take Jaden Daniels next. I don't yeah, think to the- draft a quarterback this year. Their offense, their roster is far too. You know, far away from developing a young quarterback. And I think they would end up regretting that. If I were them, I would shop their pick, trade down, pick up more draft capital and build their offensive line, build their weapons group, and then maybe aim for a quarterback in a future year and maybe see what you have in, uh, you know, a free agent acquisition, take a day three prospect, a, a swing on that or something like that. But with Malik Neighbors, man, you get an explosive Brandon IU Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, yes. whoever you want to compare him to, and you drop him in an offense with Justin Herbert with no long term outlook for. You know, Keenan Allen, who's an older receiver. Mike Williams, who's coming off an ACL tear. Quentin Johnston, maybe he develops, maybe he doesn't, but probably not a sure thing, uh, to say the least, at uh, at this point right now. Malik Neighbors, if, if Marvin Harrison's 1A, just like Caleb and Drake, he's 1B. He's an absolute stud prospect. Very strong season this year. In fact, he was robbed of the Bolitnikoff Award. I think he was better this year than Marvin was, but of course, Marvin is, you know, a stud in terms of an NFL prospect. So I love both of these guys and Neighbors to the Chargers, an absolute dream fit.
1: Yeah. I mean, any other year, it feels like Malik neighbors would have been the wide receiver one in the last few. Like he's really that talented of a player ended up grading as a top 10 talent for me, uh, explosive out of the wazoo. Very, very good route runner for, uh, for what he brings to the table, three level threat. Obviously, uh, we're going to talk about his teammate in a second here, but I really do think that watching that LSU offense, the wide receivers did a lot of heavy lifting in that offense, and I really do think Malik neighbors is the perfect fit landing with Justin Herbert landing with Jim Harbaugh in that Chargers offense. It's going to be really fun. Obviously, Keenan Allen aging player Mike Williams coming off the ACL. Quentin Johnson not really looking like he's worked out so far. We do have an alpha level projected uh, projection for Malik Neighbors going forward. Really like that pick. But like you said, you're between two names. I will take the other here. It is a super flex mock draft. Got to go with the positional value of the quarterback position with Jaden Daniels. And you mentioned with the Patriots, uh, should they take a quarterback at three? Should they not? It really depends on their evaluation of Jaden Daniels. We're a little bit lower in terms of what we saw in the film. Again, we both believe that the wide receivers there in LSU really did a lot of heavy lifting, like like I said, in this offense. But regardless, he goes top five. He lands on the New England Patriots. And it's kind of funny because if you were to pick a quarterback prospect that would fit the Patriots the most, it would be Jaden Daniels. Because if you're talking about Caleb, if you're talking about Drake, if you're talking about even Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, You want a team that has pass catchers around them, that has, you know, a seasoned offensive line. They're more of, you know, these pocket passing progression type of quarterbacks. With Jaden Daniels, it's like, he's the one quarterback that kind of overcome the Patriots situation because of what he does with his legs, how mobile he is. He's not the guy that's going to sit in the pocket and get through his reads and hit you with timing and with progressions. He's going to make plays out of structure. He's going to use that mobility. He's going to create 40, 50, 60 yard rushes. And for a team like New England, where... The pass catchers aren't great. I really do think this is a good fit for Jaden Daniels uh, in terms of the relative quarterbacks that could have went at this spot.
0: Yeah, the reason I'm scared is, and again, this is a red flag on Jaden Daniels' profile to begin yeah. with, is he's a developmental quarterback, and that's crazy to say about a guy that started five 100%. years in college. I worry that he would get his confidence shattered pretty quickly in this situation. And I would probably let one of my league mates draft Jaden Daniels. And again, if I was a new England Patriots, I would trade down. If Jane Daniels is sitting there on the board, I'm calling Atlanta. I'm calling Vegas. I'm calling uh, Denver and seeing how many picks I can get in the future, because yeah. you're not a quarterback away from making this team a Super Bowl contender. You are, of number one wide receiver, franchise left tackle, number one edge rusher, number one deep. Like you need so much on this roster. It's not just a quarterback is going to fix everything. So for me, that's what I would do if I was New England. I would not take a quarterback this year unless Caleb or Drake was on the board for me.
1: Well, I mean, adding to that, too, like uh, like we mentioned, if you're higher on Jaden Daniels and you think he could be a franchise quarterback, obviously you're going to take him because the quarterback value will trump all. But I really do think, and I, uh, you agree with this, that there's a big divide here between what Caleb and Drake represent versus what Jaden represents. So in our opinion, taking, the, uh, taking him over Marvin Harrison Jr., a surefire potential future Hall of Fame wide receiver would be a little bit of malpractice here. Again, if you're higher on Jaden Daniels, go for it. But if you're not higher, if you view them maybe as a mid-first type of quarterback, late-first type of quarterback, you should be taking the top five overall talent at wide receivers. So uh, you're back on the clock here. Mentioned, again, Superflex have to go with the quarterback value. I think that's a pretty standard top five. The six and seven, I think, can go either way. I want to see what direction you go at six.
0: Yeah. So right now, and I think because of the draft capital that we got for Bo Nix and JJ McCarthy, because it's a super flex draft, you could even make yeah. the argument that they would belong as high as this pick because Bo Nix goes to the Broncos at 12th overall. JJ McCarthy goes to the Raiders at 13th overall. I'm going to stick to talent evaluation wise, who I value uh, pretty highly here. Brock Bowers versus Romo Dunze would be the decision point. Yep. Brock Bowers, of course, going 14th to the Saints, not the greatest landing spot in the world, but they do have targets available outside of Chris Olave. And then Yeah, exactly. And then Romo Dunze um, going sixth overall to the Giants. I am going to go with Romo Dunze here. Uh, I believe he is, uh, you know, you get the top 10 draft capital. Again, barren wide receiver core. Nobody really to speak of there in New York outside of a bunch of slot guys. And, you know, uh, Darren Waller is kind of at the end of his career or whatever. I guess you're rolling with Daniel Jones in this situation. He's going to be your quarterback, at least for the immediate Short-term future. Um, but again, we're not drafting uh wide receivers typically based on landing spots. And honestly, this is not a terrible one. Like I know it seems bad because it's like, oh, you don't have, you know, in Malik Neighbors' case, Justin Herbert throwing you the ball. But at the same time, nobody else really there is able to command targets. And if Romo Dunze yeah. commands 130, 140, 150 targets his rookie season, then all of a sudden this receiving core looks a lot better. You knock everybody down a peg, Wandale becomes a number two, so on and so forth. You got a field stretcher, you got, you know, a tight end that can contribute and Odunze is the alpha there and that's what they've been desperately yes. needing in New York really since Odo Beckham Jr. left they haven't really had it they tried to get it with Kenny Galladay obviously he got the bag and you know took off to you know Cabo or whatever he's done the rest of his career like Odunze is the alpha that you've needed since Beckham has been gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, he represents something in that receiving core that they don't have. Obviously, they got that stretch vertical tight end with a guy like Darren Waller. You have a lot of like, you know, gadget speed guys on this team. You know, Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, all kind of, you know, tertiary options in a passing game. You need that big physical X wide receiver one in this offense. And I really do think Romo Dunze could be that for you. Like a Michael Pittman plus, I think Michael Pittman in terms of his route running ability, in terms of his intelligence, in terms of being able to win at the catch point represent Pittman. But I also think he's a better athlete than what Michael Pittman wants. Heads, Michael Pittman going at the top of the second round, Romo Dunze going at the sixth overall pick in this mock. I really like Romo Dunze. So before, you know, the Odunze family comes at us in the comments saying how he's the wide receiver three off the board. I like Romo Dunze.
0: yeah we love Odunze honestly it's just it's tough when you have Harrison and neighbors because like neighbors like Odunze would have been last year's wide receiver one by a a wide margin probably too so he's definitely a great prospect um what are you rolling with here at 107
1: yeah so you mentioned you were considering this guy and I know for a fact that you got turned off by the landing spot not just because of uh, the fact that it's the New Orleans Saints but also because the target distribution here is going to be weird with Olave with Leggett Derek Carr trying to feed them the ball but regardless I'm trusting my evaluation I think Brock Bowers is the most talented player uh Brock Bowers is a freak of nature I really do think this is a George Kittle clone in college football has that Georgia culture will give you three downs I mean really when you're talking about Brock Bowers you're looking at his prospect profile there's no real blemish in it aside from he's not like Kyle Pitt size like, if he was like 6'6", 240, you would be looking at him as literally the perfect prospect. But at 6'3", 240, moves very well for his size. Again, very, very good blocker and can win at all three levels of the field, most notably. We saw, for example, that final drive against Auburn. He's making one-handed catches. He's taking, you know, 25 yards after the catch, breaking four tackle sites. The game, like... This is the type of game-changing offensive fulcrum that the Saints can really use. You have Olave as your true separator. We're going to talk about Xavier Leggett in a little bit, I'm sure, as your number two wide receiver. Adding Brock Bowers may make this the best weapons core in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a bold statement for sure. But uh, with Bowers, I think you're just hoping that he can stay on the field in all three downs. That's yes. the only concern that you have there because he's a little undersized. You don't want him getting blown Good off blocker the blocker, though in, uh, in, in the blocking game, but he is a good blocker. Like he said at Georgia, he was a very good blocker. It's just functional strength wise. Hopefully he can hold up to NFL caliber edge rushers, NFL caliber, you know, linebackers sure. or whatever that he's going to have to block, but he's a great athlete. I mean, he was the best tight end in the country on one ankle this year. Um, still won the Mackey award, even despite suffering a high ankle sprain. This was the worst season of his career and he's a junior and it was still better than 95% of Ooh. the best seasons of every other tight ends career that goes in the first round.
1: Well, it's funny about Brock Bowers is I think he posted like an 84 PFF grade this year, junior. And like you said, half the year, like he was battling injury. Like you can even see, especially in the middle portion of the year, play through injury a couple times, similar to Lab McConkie. These Georgia guys are just built different in terms of pain tolerance. But regardless, 84 PFF grade is still a very, very high mark in his freshman and sophomore years. That was over 90. So as good as he was this year, he was better when he was an 18, 19, 20 year old.
0: Yeah, and like Dalton Kincaid, for example, had like a 90 PFF grade at like 23, and we were all throwing him, you know, flowers and giving him the first round draft capital. It's like Bowers has done this three times, pretty much, yeah. minus half the season this year when he was banged up. So, um, 108 is uh, for me on the board, and I would say, you know, generally speaking, this is our top seven tier of ro- uh, rookie players yes. right now. But as we talked about at the beginning of this video, we got a couple gifts here. We got. A, a bunch of great landing spots for a bunch of good prospects at wide receiver. And we got two more first round quarterbacks with Bo Nix and with JJ McCarthy. I'm a Bo Nix guy. Do I want to pull the trigger here yet? I definitely could. There's one player that I would still rank over Bo Nix and he is currently my wide receiver for and he went to the absolute nuts (laughs) landing spot. And that's Xavier worthy going to the Kansas city chiefs here. He goes off the board at 32nd overall. So I guess Matt Miller thinks that the chiefs are winning the super bowl, but Xavier worthy. Perfect compliment to Rasheed rice. He's a short area of the field, intermediate target work after the catch. Xavier worthy is the guy that opens up the downfield element of this offense Xavier Worthy, if you're just thinking, okay, this is just, you know, the next Henry Ruggs, all he does is run fast in a straight line. No, he has horizontal side to side change of direction that helps him run routes at a very high level. Daniel Jeremiah comped him to Marquise Brown. My comp for him, I think his upside is that of a Jalen Waddle. Just picture dropping Jalen Waddle in the Chiefs offense. And that's essentially what you're looking at with Xavier Worthy if he hits at the next level. So I think that upside is too tantalizing. As much as I like Bo Nix and as much as
1: I like some of these other guys, I'm rolling with Worthy there at 108. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I also had a Marquise Brown comp. You're higher on, on Xavier Worthy than me, but I can't deny first-round draft capital, 32nd overall, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely nuts range of outcomes, and I do think he is worthy of that 108, had to make that pun. But we go on to the 109 now, and you left me in a tough spot here because I was hoping you took one of the quarterbacks so I can just take the other. Um, it's tough because, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, obviously the young upside there, landing with the Raiders, Bo Nix, more of the plug-and-play guy, landing with Sean Payton, landing in that offense. It really just depends what you're swinging on. If you're a contending team and you want to swing for the upside, I think that's fine. But if you need a quarterback, I think the logical pick has to be Bo Nix at this spot. I feel like he's got a better path to starting right away, landing with Denver, Pairing with Sean Payton, these are very similar grades for me when I watch both of these guys. Oddly enough, both being on the opposite spectrum, Bo Nix more so being the uh, solidified type of uh, projection going into the next level, Baker Mayfield type of being that range of outcome, J.J. McCarthy being an incomplete profile because we didn't see him throw at that type of volume. So because we saw with Bo Nix, that's the tiebreaker here, landing with Denver, landing with Sean Payton, both going with the first round, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah, I
0: mean, I'm... A lot higher on Bo Nix than I thought I was going to be. I didn't expect to like Bo Nix at all. I saw him at Auburn. He sucked. He was inaccurate. He was, you know, kind of a good athlete, but didn't really know how to play the quarterback position. Through his five years in college, and that's a red flag on his profile, he's going to be 24 on draft night, he has developed into a very accurate passer, the most accurate passer in the history of college football by completion percentage, he set the record this year, and yes, haters will point to the fact that he throws a lot of horizontal routes, they throw a lot of screens, they throw a lot of short stuff, but he was still the most accurate passer in this class, medium, 10 to 19 yards, and the third most accurate passer in this class, deep. So, I mean, he can throw it accurately all over the field. Like you said, that Baker Mayfield esque profile, when Baker was coming out of Oklahoma, that was his calling card. Move outside the pocket, get him on the move. He can work accurately. He's got a good arm. It's a B plus arm. It's not Drake Mays or Caleb Williams, but it is still pretty solid and he can kind of do everything well. He's a smart quarterback. He was the best under pressure in the history of PFF, PFF College, his 91.2 grade under pressure is better than anybody has ever posted the best of the top 15 collegiate averages of the dynasty quarterback ones right now. Joe Burrow posted an 82 grade
1: against pressure
0: in his legendary season at LSU. Bo Nix was nine points better this year yeah. for Oregon.
1: Yeah, no, a very, very good player. And uh, on top of that, the the big uh, difference maker here, the big tiebreaker too, is because I think Bo Nix has a better opportunity to start right away over JJ. I feel like even if you prefer JJ ceiling, you should be able to get JJ plus for Bo if Bo's starting in week one and JJ doesn't start until week 10. So that's a decider too. I think both are going to end up being first round picks and it will be really fun come draft day.
0: I hope they do. I mean, it's a question mark still because, you know, if Will Levis didn't go in the first round, these guys are kind of in that prospect tier of a Will Levis where, you know, we thought they were going to go in the first, that Levis was going in the first round this whole time and then he slides to like 33 or whatever it was on draft night. So we'll have to see, but again, this is great news for those of us that would have first round picks is more first round quarterbacks, whether you like them or not, are going to push guys down the board and it's going to make your rookie picks more valuable inherently, especially for those quarterback needy teams. So um, you're on the board here at the, or no, I'm on the board on here the board. at the 110. I am not going to take your boy, JJ McCarthy, because Let's I am go. not a huge fan of JJ McCarthy. I didn't love his film. I didn't think he was the greatest prospect in the world. I see why people are saying he has a lot of upside, I but I personally him. think it's kind of like, the Quentin Johnston factor where it's like in hypo- hypothetical theory has a lot of upside, but if he was never asked to be the horse for his offense, he's got some inaccuracies that he needs to work on pressure specifically in yes. decision making needs to get better in those areas. So I'm a little bit lower on JJ McCarthy. I view him kind of more as like a Alex Smith type of quarterback prospect who has some upside, but not like a super, super shit ton. So I'm actually going to roll through the rest of the board here. I mean, we got some first round receivers to talk about still with Brian Thomas going to the Bengals with Keon Coleman going to the Cowboys at 24th overall yeah. into the second round. I mean, Ladd McConkey goes to the Panthers at 33 overall. Uh, Troy Franklin goes to the Raiders to pair with JJ McCarthy at 44th overall. I'm not as high on Brian Thomas but I do love this landing spot. I mean, you, yeah. you give me Brian Thomas going to the Cincinnati Bengals. My assumption here is that T Higgins has moved on in free agency. Maybe they tag and traded him or something like that. Working opposite Jamar chase. He gets to be the downfield weapon while chase yeah. kind of reinvents himself more as your do it all. Number one receiver. This is the type of landing spot. I can get on board with Brian Thomas because I view him as Nico Collins, George Pickens, yeah. high end number two receiver or one B receiver. who's a great downfield option but I I still view some flaws to his game. I don't think he's a perfect route runner. I don't think he's going to become a true alpha receiver who commands a 30% target share. I think we're probably talking more 20 to 24% in his NFL career. But if you're playing with Joe Burrow on the Cincinnati Bengals, that's enough to make you a good fantasy option.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I'm obviously a, a lot higher on Brian Thomas just as the prospect. Uh, I think you basically nailed down his projection to a T. Being that high upside number two wide receiver on this team, uh, it would be the ideal situation. I really do think Having that vertical wide receiver that showed he can score touchdowns this year. 17 touchdowns scored with LSU. Uh, and you see it when you watch the film. His ball tracking ability, phenomenal. Being able to high point the football, phenomenal. And he's just a natural athlete at that 6'4 frame. It really is... Uh, it's it's adding T Higgins to this offense as a prospect. If T Higgins was able to run a low four, four pretty much is how I view it.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure they have connections at that school. I mean, they've yeah. taken their number one receiver and their quarterback from LSU. So I'm sure they know some uh, people on the staff there as well to get some recommendations on Brian Thomas. So you're on the board here with the 111. We'll try and speed this up a little bit. We don't want to go too long. What do you, uh, you're going
1: with JJ here. Yeah, and you you mentioned you're a little bit lower on the ceiling. Uh, I I really like his ceiling. I think he's got a very good arm. I think he's very mobile. And I saw multiple times at Michigan. uh, You mentioned handling pressure. When he's in the pocket handling pressure, he doesn't handle that well. When he's able to escape the pocket, get on the move, I've seen multiple times throughout his collegiate career him being able to make the plays down the field. Now, obviously, like you kind of mentioned, it is a bigger projection than a Bo Nix. Bo Nix, you kind of know what you're getting, which is why I went with him at that nine spot. With J.J. McCarthy, it's really kind of like that mystery box at this point because, like you said, he was never asked to be the commanding factor of the offense with that offensive line, with that running game, with Jim Harbaugh's mentality, with Sharon Moore's mentality. He wasn't the type of guy that was going to go out there and throw the ball 40, 45 times in a singular game, but when you did see... Third and seven situation, Michigan needs a play. J.J. being able to roll out to his right, find Roman Wilson on a crosser. I saw that multiple times. Colson Loveland working down the seam multiple times. I'm really a big fan of what J.J. McCarthy can be. I feel like the difference, like you said, we agree that he's incomplete at this point. I just view his ceiling being a little bit higher than what you projected to be. You mentioned Alex Smith. I think he's got a better arm and is much more mobile than when Alex Smith represented
0: yeah, no, that that makes some sense. And I mean, part of the comparison that I've actually seen for J.J. McCarthy that I think makes a lot of sense is he's kind of a game manager plus on those third and sevens yeah. when he has to make a play, he can make a play. And who do we know right now that is currently going to be playing in the Super Bowl that is a game manager plus Brock Purdy, right? Yeah. Like you can be great in a good situation with that kind of profile. I don't think he has a superstar ceiling. I do think he will need a good situation around him. Hypothetically, if the Raiders keep Devontae Adams and they have Jacoby Myers and, you know, they have Michael Mayer developing and they keep Josh Jacobs, then this is a pretty good situation for him.
1: Yeah, the way I, it's funny you mentioned that. So Brock Purdy, uh, I view with like a Jared Goff level arm where it's like a B plus, A minus type of area. Uh, I think it's a stronger arm than Brock Purdy. But like you said, the same type of things, obviously Brock Purdy as a decision maker at this point, much more advanced than what JJ McCarthy is, which is why he's playing on Sunday. But uh, I really do think that JJ McCarthy, if he can land in a Kyle Shanahan scheme, if he can land with Minnesota, uh, one of these spots, obviously lands with the Raiders here, not the most ideal landing spot. But regardless, I do trust JJ to to reach that potential long-term, even if it's not a near one.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that makes some sense to me. I am going to roll with uh, two options here. You got Keon Coleman who goes to the Cowboys. I mean, yeah. that's a great landing spot. He's got targets available there outside of CD Lamb. They don't really have a whole lot going on long-term. I am going to go, we talked about this when we talked about like reviewing the rookie class and like, what's just like a great fit? What's just a glove-like fit? And that is Ladd McConkey going to Carolina <laughs> Panthers. I dude. knew you are going to do it. Panthers have, let's look at their offense this year. They had Adam Thielen, who's like 35 years old. He was completely washed, but he was still productive. Then you had Jonathan Mango, who's really raw, doesn't really know how to play wide receiver at this point. And you had DJ Chark, who's just a field stretcher. They needed a guy that can move the chains consistently. They needed a guy who was going to play the Adam Thielen role only to actually do something after the catch with it and consistently command targets and don't break down as the season went along like Adam Thielen did. And Ladd McConkey is an excellent route runner. One of the best in this class. He has one of the best set of hands in this class. He is unbelievable at timing routes, which is exactly what Bryce Young needs and what Dave Canales's offense thrives on as well. So get him out on the move, get Bryce Young comfortable and get him a short target that he can get the ball to when he's pressured. So Ladd McConkey, love that fit. I think he is absolutely going to go this high, especially once he runs probably in the four threes at the NFL combine. So I love that fit. I absolutely love McConkey of the Panthers.
1: Uh, It's funny because when we recorded, if you guys are on flock, we recorded our past after six to 10, what about a month and a half ago. And uh, after that, I watched the Alabama game where lab McConkey wasn't fully healthy. And I had said on there that, oh, he didn't really look good in this game. I don't really know how to project this moving forward. End up watching four more games. This guy is an absolute wizard. He is my wide receiver five in this class. Comp to Doug Baldwin. If you guys remember prime Doug Baldwin catching passes from Russell Wilson, I really do think you're getting a similar player. And it's funny that your comp also is a former Seahawks wide receiver with Golden Tate getting that Z Z wide receiver that can play in the slot, route technician, and the really underrated factors. People are going to say, oh, white wide receiver, obviously he's going to be a technician, you know, gritty, hard worker, Hunter Renfro, Julian Edelman type. This cat's got wheels, man. I would be shocked if he didn't run under four, 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 five. I really do think this is a good guy that could be pushing the four threes in that forty-yard dash. True three-level threat, the best road runner in this class. Projecting forward, he is going to be that number one wide receiver for the Panthers, and he's exactly what Bryce Young needs to be able to develop. So I was really hoping he fell back to me, but uh, I am back on the clock. And you mentioned Keon Coleman to my Dallas Cowboys. Kind of got to go with that spot. You're talking about the upside play at wide receiver now. Am I the biggest Keon Coleman fan? There is no, he's my wide receiver 10 right now. Uh, I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus, but him getting first round capital, him landing on one of the best offenses in the NFL, pairing with Dak Prescott. I think it could be your long-term Michael Gallup replacement being that X wide receiver working at the boundary. We've seen multiple times, Michael Gallup when the Cowboys need a big play down the field, when he was in his prime, being able to come down with those passes. And now, unfortunately for Michael Gallup, isn't that same caliber player at all at this point in his career. I think Keon Coleman can represent those factors and even give you a little bit more in terms of that frame that he brings to the table compared to Gallup.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely makes some sense there with Keon Coleman. I'm a little higher on Coleman. I saw a little bit of underrated nuance with his route running. But the problem for Keon Coleman is he was like a 17th percentile separator, right? So he's going to need to learn to run routes at a better level. Hopefully Lamb can help him out with that because he obviously is one of the better route runners in the league. So uh, Coleman, I like the fit. I think he actually would be a good replacement to Gallup. You just hope you're not replacing one guy who can't separate with another guy who can't separate because that wouldn't be ideal here, which is why, you know, you said like Xavier Worthy would probably be a little bit better of a replacement because then you get the Cooks replacement rather than the Gallup replacement, which is a little bit more of an important thing to to your offense.
1: Yeah, I've said that in the past. I think Worthy would be the Cooks replacement. And then here, getting Coleman would be that Gallup replacement. So I uh, really like the fit regardless, even if he's my wide receiver 10. I would be personally wanting this in the second round area. But if they do do it here, we have to acknowledge in fantasy that he will be very valuable.
0: Yep, for sure. So uh I'm back on the board here. Got a, a number of other receivers that I like. I mean, I like Troy Franklin. He goes to the Raiders um with your uh with your aforementioned JJ McCarthy there. Yep. Adanae Mitchell going to the Titans. Again, I think everybody looks at the Tennessee Titans and thinks it's a disgusting landing spot because of I really what they like used it used to be, but we don't have Mike Vrabel there anymore. Like Will Levis is a gunslinger. You know, you got a better landing spot there. I am actually gonna take the only running back selected in this entire <sighs> mock draft here with Jonathan Brooks. <laughs> going to replace his absolute clone in Aaron Jones there. So yeah. it sounds like we've actually heard this, that Aaron Jones going to be back with green Bay this year, but that's perfect because Aaron Jones and Jonathan Brooks are one in the same, exactly the same type of player and Jonathan Brooks coming off a torn ACL anyway. So Aaron Jones early on in the season, he can carry the load as the season goes along in his rookie year. I expect Jonathan Brooks to take over that role. And Jonathan Brooks would have been by far the best running back in this class. Had he not torn his ACL and, I think second round draft capital still not out of the range of comes for him. I think it's probably unlikely given the injury, but it could still definitely happen. So, I mean, Jonathan Brooks going to the Packers with all that young talent on that offense. Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback by the looks of it. Love this landing spot for him.
1: Yeah, I was really hoping he fell back. I was hoping maybe you took a bite at the wide receiver position. Ah, uh, Jonathan Brooks, great fit landing with the Packers. Only day two running back uh, that we know of in this mock. Obviously, no, uh, run, no third round, so we don't know if like Benson went or these other running backs went in that third round area. But Brooks finding his way in the second round despite tearing his ACL really show signs to what the NFL would value him as. Basically him going 58 58 overall with the Torn ACL is the NFL is saying he is the best running back in this class. It is not particularly close because if it was particularly close, we would see a running back go above Jonathan Brooks, but I like that pick a lot. Green Bay Packers, clone of Aaron Jones, the potential future replacement of Aaron Jones like that a lot. And you mentioned AD Mitchell in the Tennessee Titans landing spot. That is where I'm going to lean right here cuz I really do like this landing spot. We don't know yet whether or not they bring back DeAndre Hopkins, but for the sake of Adney Mitchell, I hope they do. He can learn from DeAndre Hopkins. He's a raw player. Learning that consistent work ethic that we've seen from DeAndre Hopkins uh, throughout his career would be very good for the development of AD Mitchell. On top of that, getting a gunslinger like Will Levis, getting an offensive system like Brian Callahan will be bringing to the table with Tennessee, operating that Zach Taylor, Cincinnati Bengals influence there. Really excited for the future of A.D. Mitchell should he land here. And I really do think long-term, he will be that number one wide receiver for Will Levis if this was the case.
0: Yeah, and I mean, some people have to A.D. Mitchell to T. Higgins. I mean, Brian Callahan's going to have familiarity with a receiver like that. And uh, if DeAndre Hopkins were to be back, He also like absolute 100% range of outcomes, uh, 100 percentile would be like a DeAndre Hopkins caliber receiver if A.D. Mitchell could develop. So I have some concerns with him, you know, not the best after the catch, not the best in terms of, uh, you know, effort on some plays. He also is very inconsistent just in general over the course of his tape, but he does have a high ceiling for sure. He, I absolutely think, has one of the higher ceilings in this class. You just got to get the best out of. A.D. Mitchell. And I think that Brian Callahan could do that. And I mean, back shoulder fades from Will Levis could be uh, could be all day with with A.D. Mitchell there uh, as the uh, nickname there. So I'm going to roll with uh, at the two four. Uh, I would have probably gone with Franklin over Mitchell, just given that I think Franklin is a better prospect than Mitchell. Um, I like this fit. I, I don't exactly know what the situation is here with Devontae Adams. I would assume if you're taking a receiver 44th overall, maybe you trade Devontae Adams to the, uh, to the Jets or something like that, or maybe you release yep. him or whatever the case is. But regardless, I mean, long term, you don't really have a number one receiver for this team. You have Michael Mayer at tight end. You have Jacoby Myers on like a two or three year deal and Devontae Adams is older. So JJ McCarthy develops. I think this is the type of receiver he could absolutely use. He's got a decent deep ball. He's good timing and rhythm based kind of thrower and Troy Franklin can win at the line of scrimmage on short routes and that kind of thing. So I actually really like the landing spot here for Troy Franklin. I think the Raiders are an underrated landing spot for a receiver in general, because I think everybody assumes that they have their receivers, but they don't really long-term at least.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you there. So uh, for our comps for Troy Franklin, for anyone that is curious, uh, I'm trying to find where they're listed. Uh, My comp have-
0: for him was Jamison Williams runs into Devonte Smith at full speed because I don't think I don't think Devonte Smith like Devonte Smith was a better prospect than Troy Franklin, but he has like Jamison Williams body type where he's like bigger and longer and leaner. But he's running routes better than Jamison Williams, so they're they're yeah. kind of like the a mix of the two, where you're not getting as refined of a player as Devonte Smith, but Troy Franklin is a lot younger than Devonte Smith was coming out of school, a lot uh, more meat on the bone to coach him up a little bit. So I do really like that uh, that prospect fit, but he has the speed like Jamison Williams had.
1: Yeah, so uh, if you were to scale both those factors back, Jamo and Devonte back, it would kind of. End up being my guy because I have Calvin Ridley, uh, 4 4 1 type of player, obviously a refined route runner, can win all three levels. We saw prime Calvin Ridley be a top five wide receiver in fantasy, so this is very high praise for Troy Franklin, my wide receiver seven, your wide receiver five. Very high regards for him in this class. So you end up going him there at that pick, uh, just scanning the board to see who is left. I could go with a guy like Xavier Leggett, despite the landing spot there with the Saints, big fan of Laguette's game. You could go with a guy like Jalen landing with the absolute nuts there in Buffalo. I'm really torn which one I lean. I think I'm going to trust my grading here, and I'm going to go with Xavier Leggett. Obviously, not the most ideal landing spot here. He would be much higher if he landed on one of the prime spots, but Xavier Leggett lands with the Saints, pairing with Derek Carr, pairing with what they got in the first round there with Brock Bowers and Chris Olave. I think that's going to be your future trio uh, in terms of pass catchers in this offense. Now, do I trust Derek Carr to be able to feed them the football? I do not know, but when I watch Xavier Leggett, If you were to take out his analytical profile, this guy would be a legitimate top four, top five overall wide receiver in this class based off the film I watched this year. Uh, My call for him is a guy like DK Metcalf, big physical downfield wide receiver, unstoppable on crossing routes. The only problem I have is, do I really trust the Saints to be able to get the best out of him?
0: Yeah. I mean, the range of outcomes is very much if we're talking about an old miss wide Who receiver, must. it's either AJ Brown or Jonathan Mingo. That's the range yep. of outcomes here. So it's a very wide range of outcomes. You could miss big on this one by going with Xavier Leggett because the red flags on his profile, he only had one year of production as yep. a, a red shirt senior. That is definitely not ideal. But like you said, that one year of production was damn good. Dominant. And he hit all those like best season yards per route run, best season PFF receiving grade, all those marks that you want to see when a player just naturally gets better. Sometimes he's getting better. Sometimes he's beating up on poorer competition, but in the sec watching him get better as a player was very evident. It wasn't just that he was catching deep balls along the sideline and mossing people. He was winning on routes and not the greatest senior bowl by the sounds of it. So that's not ideal for him. But once he gets to the combine, I'm sure he's going to test out the berserk and run and jump and, do everything that he needs to do. So I am glad you went with Leggett because I wanted um, Jalen Polk, Polk, who, as we talked about with Fitz, right? We're talking about Fitz. Jalen Polk is so reliable and the bills offense needs reliability because yeah, Allen's kind of a loose cannon, you know, Stefan Diggs a bit of a loose, he's cannon. he's always pouting, you know, Gabriel Davis is the definition of unreliable. Like don't had that suspect hands. The guy that's going to catch the ball every time you throw yeah. it to him. And Jalen Polk probably is the best hands in this class.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. If you guys are curious about the fit here, think like a Tyler Boyd added to this offense. I really do think that's the projection for Jalen Poole. You had his comp to a guy like Rasheed Rice as well. That possession wide receiver, he's not going to burn you necessarily, but like you said, reliable hands, uh, good ball tracker down the field, can high point the football to make him a three-level threat. So if you're worried, oh, is he just going to be a first-level type of player? No, because I really do think the hands are special enough and the downfield ability when the ball is in the air is special enough to make up for the athletic shortcomings.
0: Yeah. And I don't think he's a bad athlete. I think he'll probably run in like the four fives or something yeah. like that. I just four, don't five, think six, he's going to be four, like, five, a, you know, an elite athlete or anything like yeah. that. I think the range of outcomes is there for him to become like a Rasheed rice. Cause I do think yeah. he is pretty good after the catch as well. So, I mean, we got a couple more players to rattle off here. Do we have enough to fill out the entire second round? I don't know if we're, I think we're going to come up short a little bit.
1: Uh, We should have enough. Cause we still have Penix. We still have Tez Walker. We still have Corley. We still have Wilson. We still have Sanders and yeah, that's it. So that's what six guys I said.
0: Yeah, I think five or six. We might be one guy four. But anyways, what are you rolling with here at two seven?
1: Yeah, so th- this is where it starts getting uh, a, li- a little greasy here. Um, so the Jaguars don't go with a wide receiver in the first round. And I really do like the spot here. I do think they need another reliable playmaker with some speed added. Uh, I took my other Michigan boy. May as well go with uh, a second Michigan boy with Roman Wilson. Now, I will be honest. I have not formally graded him yet. However, as a Michigan fan, I've seen basically every single one of this guy's games. He dominated the senior bowl. He's going to test out of the wazoo at the combine. Really a good vertical slot type of wide receiver projection moving forward. Um, It's curious with the fit here because obviously they do have Christian Kirk and ideally you would want Roman Wilson being the Christian Kirk in this offense, but I do think that pairing with Trevor Lawrence long term, if they do take him with day two draft capital, they have a plan for him and I want to trust that in the mid second round. So a little bit of a wonky pro Profile, but I will take him here landing with Trevor Lawrence, who we still believe in.
0: Yeah. I don't like the fit either. I think Roman Wilson's kind of like a Khalil Shakir, like as like the median projection. And then he can kind of be better than that if he, if he hits a ceiling. But uh, yeah, I don't really like the fit because I think Kirk's role is exactly what he would thrive in. But Lawrence could use another guy like Kirk. I mean, we saw what happened when Kirk was off the field. Lawrence looked like a completely different quarterback. So it's possible they want to move away from like the Calvin Ridley archetype of like a separator and just get a bunch of, you know, short uh, fast slot receivers on the yeah. field for him and let him work the field horizontally. Um, which is weird because Lawrence had, you know, big receivers yeah. at Clemson with, with T Higgins and Justin Ross. So a little strange of a fit there, but I yeah. don't uh, mind that one. I'm going to, you went to your favorite college football team. I'm going to go to mine
1: uh, with JT Shabian
0: Sanders yeah. going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, at one point in time, I would have said like Brock Bowers and JT Sanders were a lot closer, but they're pretty far apart. In my opinion, I think JT Sanders, the fact that he isn't outperforming Brock Bowers when Brock Bowers playing through a high ankle sprain all year, it's pretty clear indication that JT Sanders has a lot of work to do. He's an exceptional athlete, one of the best in the country, for sure at the tight end position, very good after the catch, very athletic, very strong, very physical, just some mental lapses. And the thing I worry about with JT Sanders is, is he OJ Howard or is he David Njoku, right? because OJ Howard had everything possible to become an elite tight end in the NFL. He just couldn't put it together mentally. And then he suffered some injuries and stuff like that. So I'm hoping JT Sanders has what it takes above the shoulders to be able to develop the nice thing in in his favor is that he is just a redshirt sophomore. OJ Howard was a senior coming out uh, of Alabama and he didn't have it all put together yet. So with um, with J.T. Sanders, he's an early declare. He's very young. He's like 20 years old still. So he still has a lot of time to put it all together, which makes me think he's more so David Njoku than he is O.J. Howard. In this landing spot, I mean, second round draft capital of the Bengals, they've been kind of looking for a tight end for a while and they haven't really been able to find one. And I think Sanders is at least a great field stretcher for them. And then, I mean, you're stretching the field vertically, grabbing Brian Thomas and J.T. Sanders to go along with Jamar Chase in this offense. Could be a really fun um, retool for the Bengals here.
1: Yeah, no, I really like the fit there with JT. I really considered him uh, at my pick as well, but I I did end up going with Roman. But uh, I'm back on the clock here. And like you mentioned, we are actually one player short. I did the count. So there's 11 second rounders and 12 first rounders. So uh, if you're watching, just stick with us. Well, we'll we'll do our best here. Uh, I think this has to be the spot I go, Michael Penix not the biggest fan of the prospect older player a lot of injury concerns really was not a fan of his ball location uh when watching him this year i really do think he was a product of those three wide receivers three nfl caliber wide receivers at washington but at this point he goes 42nd lands with kevin o'connell lands with that vikings landing spot that is arguably the best of the entirety of the quarterback needy teams in the nfl landscape and distributor wide receiver that needs weapons. Well, guess what? You do have weapons there with Jordan Addison, with Justin Jefferson, with TJ Hawkinson on the outside. So uh, I'm assuming in this scenario, maybe they tag Kirk or they sign up for one year and then Penix is the eventual replacement, or maybe they just move on from Kirk and Penix is starting year one. But regardless, this is the nuts range of outcomes for Michael Penix. And I know we're going to get people in the comments saying, how does he not go higher? We're just not big fans of the prospect himself.
0: Yeah, my comp for him is kind of like... um. Kind of like the caliber prospect and the strengths that he has is kind of like a Hendon Hooker, Dwayne yeah. Haskins. Maybe he becomes Tua Tonga law, but with Tua. He was a, an early declare. He was very, very good early on in his career. He has more arm talent than Penix. He was more accurate than yeah. Penix. So I don't like left-handed quarterback. He's Suatangailo. To I don't think that's a good comp for him. I think he's more so in the lines of like a less athletic but more accurate Hendon Hooker, if that yeah. makes any sense. So not a not a huge fan of the prospect profile. But like you said, good landing spot, good weapons around him. I will take the second last player here uh in this mock between Tez Walker, uh, who went, uh, 43rd overall to the Atlanta Falcons. And then we also have Malachi Corley who went 46th overall to the Colts. I don't like the Colts landing spot because I think Josh Downs is a much better player than Malachi Corley. And you're not going to take Downs out of the slot to put Corley in there. I think Corley's going to end up being a, a Paris Campbell who literally went to the Colts also around this pick in the draft. And he's going to be a... You know, design touches guy. He's not going to be a wide receiver that runs all the routes. So I'll take the upside that Tez Walker becomes a deep threat for potentially a better quarterback. We didn't get one in this actual mock draft. Maybe they sign a Baker Mayfield. Maybe they trade for uh, yeah, fields or sign cousins or something like that
1: yeah no I, in tez walker i was not a big fan of i'm not going to lie uh it's funny that the two last receivers on the board so uh if you guys are unfamiliar uh you guys will be seeing in mid february we'll, we will be dropping a draft guide where we watch these prospects up we've so far watched 13 wide receivers and these guys, uh, so far for me at least, were the 12th and 13 wide receivers uh, I had in my grading. With Tez Walker, for tw- for being 23 years old, I was really disappointed with how underdeveloped he was. Uh, can't run routes worth anything. It was really just rely upon, relying upon his deep ball ability, being able to high point the football, being able to just out athlete people. And I don't necessarily think that going into the NFL at 23 years, 23 years old, not having a refined game, that he can just simply out athlete people at that level. There's going to be professional players on the same type of diets. Uh, we're going to get the best athletes in the world playing in the NFL. I don't necessarily think Tez Walker can win at the rate he was at UNC and at Kent State.
0: Yeah, I know if you guys are thinking we always just say "Oh, the receivers made the quarterback Drake may made the receiver here. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't the situation we have with Penix here or with uh, with J.J. McCarthy or uh, like um, Jane Daniels or what we were talking about there. Like it was very clear that Drake may threw him open very often. Yes. And part of the reason why he was successful at UNC in the seven or eight games that he played. Um, when he came off the suspension is because Drake May is such a good quarterback and he was desperately searching for a weapon. And I think Tez Walker kind of emerged by default. He didn't really have a great wide receiver. To me, this is, you know, a day two wide receiver, yeah. third round caliber yeah, asset here, top 100 type of pick. But people are hyping this guy up as a potential first rounder. And I think that that's is absolutely it. ludicrous. We saw it at the senior bowl. He couldn't catch a cold um, in the game, in the drills. Like he wasn't separating. Apparently he's going to run off to in a straight line and jump high and he's a big dude, but he's not really much else other than that
1: horrible after the catch like I don't even recall off my head watching him make anybody miss for the most part like he was the type of player where big frame, you know, when he caught the ball, he was able to work down the field, but you got nothing after the catch. So with Tez Walker, it's funny because we kind of both have a similar projection for him. You have him uh, projected NFL role as a field stretcher, me, vertical number three wide receiver, basically the same thing. Uh, Alec Pierce versus DJ Chark. Like that's what you're kind of looking at here. Like that vertical tertiary, maybe he catches one forty-three yard pass in a game and catches two of six targets for 53 yards in a game. Like that's the type of role I see him playing in the next level. And if, if people are watching your big Tez Walker fans, please leave in the comments. That's what you guys saw in him, and when we re-watch him, maybe we'll see some more, but on first watch, man, the first three games that I watched of him wasn't the biggest fan of Tez Walker. I really do think he's a very limited player for how old he is, 22.9 years old.
0: And I was excited to watch him too. Like I, I saw the, the stat line against Georgia was very impressive when he was at yeah. Kent state in 2021 or in 2022. I was like, Holy crap, this guy decimated Georgia. And then you watch both of the plays and their screen passes that he housed for 70 yards. And it's like, okay, well he just ran faster than everybody. Like yeah. he didn't really he didn't do make anything anybody on miss. those plays. He just kind of yeah. ran fast on a screen pass and he got behind the defense. And like, that's going to happen sometimes, but it probably won't happen much in the NFL. So we're going to go yeah. with the last player here. I guess you're uh, going with Corley.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess I will defend Malachi Corley. So when I watched him think of like a Randall Cobb type of player, your comp to him was La- LaVisca Chenault. And really, uh, if people will throw the moniker of he's a gadget player to a lot of players in this class, Malachi Corley's a gadget player. He is not a refined receiver at this point, not a refined route runner, cannot win down the field if he hands. But what he does very well is that he is an extremely tough player. And this guy's arguably the best yards after catch receiver in this class outside of maybe Malik neighbors. That's the type of talent we're dealing with big physical wide receiver. I see why people see the veins of a Debo Samuel comp. The only problem is that Debo Samuel can actually win as a road runner. Debo Samuel could actually win high pointing the football down the field. Have not seen evidence of Malachi Corley being able to do that just yet. Hence why I have a more so as a Randall Cobb type of fit than a, you know, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, physical yak beast, like some of the people that are higher on Corley would compare him to. But I will say you mentioned you don't like the fit of Indianapolis. And on face value, I do agree. Being with Josh Downs, what exactly is the role of two smaller uh, in terms of height wide receivers? But I would also, if he landed here, forty-six overall, trust Shane Steichen to be able to get the best out of them. So that's kind of where I'm at
0: with him. Yeah. Shane Steichen's a good enough coach to be able to do that. It's a good point for sure. Yeah. I I think Corley, it's like for every Debo Samuel, there's four or five LaVisca, Chenault, Rondell Moore, David Bell, guys that were force fed targets in an offense where their quarterback play wasn't good. And they just, you know, ran slants and button hooks and screen passes most of the time and get the ball in the uh, hands of your best player. That's basically what Western Kentucky did. Can't fault them for it. They helped them, you know, move the offense and Corley's obviously very good after the catch, but I, I, I'm I'm uh, hesitant to say that he's going to develop into some elite route runner at the next level without a lot of good coaching. And Steichen, good coach, but a little bit skeptical there. So yep. that is the end of the video. Went a little bit longer on this one, but I think yep. it was good conversation. Again, oh, the sure. link for Matt Miller's full mock draft will be down below in the uh, description there if you're down there and you enjoyed this video leave a like subscribe to the channel if you guys are new around here leave any comments down below if you want access to our draft guide which will be dropping in about 10 days from now february 15th version one about 25 30 prospect write-ups player cards comparisons the games that we watch strengths weaknesses what we would do with them in rookie drafts all that stuff will be available february 15th on flock fantasy exclusively so if you're on the fence, you don't know, um, you know, if you should sign up on flock fantasy, you'll get our rankings, Superflex, one quarterback, top two fifties for startups, rookie rankings, and the draft guide, as well as our draft class databases, our trade calculator, first priority to dynasty decisions, a free zoom consult. If you sign up annually six months for free, if you sign up annually and a seven day free trial, all with that promo code FSE, that'll be linked down below in the pinned comment. But with that being said, peace out and we'll talk to you soon.